It's always a good Sunday when the pastor starts off the sermon with an axe in his hand, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, first time visitors, welcome out to Innovation. You never know what you're going to get. Um, well, um, the reason I have this in my hand is because we got some targets out there. There's some of the first service people that are like trying to get it to stick. They might be out there by the time you make it out there at the end of the second service. Like literally, the first time, I don't know if you've ever done this, but the first time, like me and Mandy booked an hour session. And it took a good 45 minutes of that session for me to get the first one to stick in. And, and, and it was ridiculous. And, and that's a little bit of what we're talking about today. Um, we've been in this series called Parent Guilt um, now for like seven weeks. We started it with Mother's Day. And, and how many moms out here? Moms, moms, standing against moms. Okay, some moms. Uh, good to see you. Um, and, and dads out here. Dads, how many dads out here? Let's give a round of applause for our dads. Not that we don't applaud our moms, but we applauded moms on Mother's Day, and they probably deserve it more every day of the year. But, um, but today, we're applauding our dads, and, and a lot like throwing axes, um, you're not always going to get it right. And, and just like parenting, we're not always going to get it right. We've been in this series for seven weeks, realizing that not only do we not get it right, but there's plenty in Scripture that don't get it right. But we've said, you know what? The people in Scripture aren't our focus. It's the God of the scriptures that is our focus, the God that sent his one and only son for each and every one of us. And so we're going to take the, the last kind of five major topics that we talked about through this series, and, and we're going to talk about how they pertain to dads, how, how we've experienced them, and, and how a little bit of dad guilt fits in. And dads, if you're here today, and, and we'll let everybody else eat as well, um, we've got some breakfast, some biscuits and gravy, lots of bacon, lots of sausage, and more bacon, um, and also some axes that we can throw if you, if you want to give it a try after the service. You can, you can try to see how good and if it takes you 45 minutes to get it right as well. Um, but, but the topics that we're going to be talking about today have taken us a little bit more than 45 minutes, right? And, and some of us have gotten better over time. Um, I'm not sure if Brian's gotten worse over time, but he's got some grand, grandkids to work on right now. And, and so he's got a, a little bit of different perspectives. Um, and I want to introduce these guys to you. Um, I'll try to get their names right. Um, we got Jordan Myrick, and we got Bryden Burden. We got Tony Shabel, and we got Jared Slavin uh, all up here. Um, none of these guys are perfect, and their wives will tell you many stories about them, um, but, and, and neither am I, as you guys know plenty of times. And so, but we're, what we're doing is we're addressing different topics that we've talked about in this Parent Guilt series and talking about how they apply to dads. And so we're starting off with, you know, we've, we've looked at different examples, but we've ma our main example has been that we look to God on how to be a dad, but maybe that didn't like start off. And so, so first and foremost, like who taught you how to be a dad? Who taught you how to be a dad? How'd you learn how to be a dad? Um, was it something that was passed down or, or something you figured out? So um, go ahead, take it away, guys. I started last time. I'll start this time. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> my stepdad taught me how to be a dad. He didn't come around till I was about 12 years old. And as you know, many of you, especially we've all been, not all of us, but many of us have been through these kind of hopscotch families. There's a stepdad, there's a stepmom, there's stepkids, something in the family. And he came around when I was 12, and I was craving a dad at that point. I hadn't really had one up to there, so I didn't know how to even be a little boy, I guess, so to speak. I mean, I knew how to play sports and things like that that I loved, but I didn't know how to be a dad. And he taught me right away that a, a softer side, right? No, uh, mom was, you watched out. When mom got mad, look out, you, everybody got out of the way, right? But 
if he got upset, which was very rare, you knew he was talking what he was talking about. I can remember the time he chased me around the house because I was doing something. Something. And, right. On the second lap, I'm laughing, but he's standing at the back door, and you know what he said. You got to come in and eat sometime, right? <laughs> but that, that was the way he did it. He, he, was, he didn't get upset. He didn't, he didn't get mad. Now, I'd like to say I learned a lot from him, but then I went into the Marine Corps. I followed his footsteps. He didn't even realize I was really paying that much attention to him as I, as I grew up, but I followed him immensely. And when I got into the Marine Corps, though, I, and then I had two kids, right? I didn't know how to treat those kids, I don't think. I should have used him as a model, but I didn't. I kind of got the Marine came out of me at the time. And there was a lot of yelling at the kids. And of course, at that time, we started with timeouts and stuff like that. We were getting away from, uh, we've all talked about the discipline. You were talking about getting some discipline here or there. And uh, timeout chairs, uh, soap in your mouth. You talked about soap in the mouth for bad talk, right? Well, now <laughs> they'll call Child Protective Services on you for that. So you can't even do that kind of thing. So, but discipline's important. I know we'll get to that later. Yeah. He taught me that you don't have to be uh, yelling and screaming at them, even though I did it so often. But it's so much easier now with grandkids to not do that because I've looked back on what he taught me. Uh, yeah, I was, um, my mother left at a very young age and pretty much left me with a dad. So my dad was definitely the center of my attention. Um, he eventually, I was lucky enough to find um, a stepmother um, that had two daughters, much older, uh, from um, two different fathers, both of them. Um, it sounds broken, but we really grew up great. It wasn't a broken family feeling at all. Um, however, I did watch my dad love two daughters that weren't his unconditionally and push through some of the most things as I was pushing through accepting a, a mom in my life. And boy, I don't know how many times you could hear in our house, you're not my real dad or you're not my real mom, but the affection and love still followed no matter what, it was never held against, no matter the, the tantrums that we're having from any of the kids. Um, and my dad just focused on us no matter what and continued to help us grow. Well, I grew up in a house of alcoholic parents, so my father was what I would call absentee. So I didn't learn a lot of uh, how to be a father at that uh, to watch it grow up and oh I want to be like my dad um, but I have four girls and I learned how to be a father by having four girls <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean by that is you just get trial by fire by you know um, uh, thrust into situations where you just make the best possible de decisions that you can um, but uh, how many people have girls out there Okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking about because uh, I didn't have any boys, and I've talked to these guys that have boys, but with my girls, they're all different. I had to father them all differently uh, because they're all different. And so um, when I got saved, I realized that I had a heavenly father that showed me who he was, and I just wanted to be like that, and I figured I couldn't go wrong. This guy has no idea. Um, for me, I got one built in. Um, <laughs> the, for, for me, uh, my dad was there. Um, he was around, uh, suffered with alcoholism as well. 
uh, he, he modeled a lot of good, also modeled a lot of bad. So I saw what not to do and also saw plenty of what to do. I saw his love and support um, for us as, as kids. Uh, one of the things, um, though, he, he was, it was a lot of speak when spoken to, um, a lot of only speak if you have something to say. Um, when, it, when it came to my dad. And so you knew what, if he said something, it meant something because he wasn't going to talk just to talk. It wasn't just for fluff. It wasn't just for words. Um, but unfortunately, I lost him when I was 19 years old. And so navigating after that, um, like some of these guys, have been, you're able to pick up the phone, able to call your dad. And, and for me, that hasn't been the case. But one of my biggest fears going into ministry, Tony, Tony's a, a, another pastor, and uh, was pastor's kids. And, and the stigma that comes with that. And so, so early on in ministry, um, especially after moving here to Lafayette and as my kids grew up, um, I, I tried to apply this simple scripture of Proverbs 13, 20, where it says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harms. And so I surrounded myself with other pastors that had normal kids, <laughs> that their kids were grown, weren't screwed up, weren't messed up, weren't just the, the crazy pastor's kids. And, and I said, help me. One of them said, you know what? They're, they're freshmen now. Take them on a mission trip. Let them know that the world doesn't revolve around them, that it's not all about the spotlight, that, it's, that, that, that everything doesn't. And as soon as my daughter um, was a freshman, I said, we're going on a mission trip. <laughs> and, and, and it's worked. Uh, and it's helped. And so I, I continue to plan that and just learn from, learn from them and learn from others. Just like uh, that's why we're doing this today. I mean, that's who we are as a church. We, we want to support one another, lift up one another, hear from each other's experiences. And and so even though we're not perfect, we can gain insight from one another as well when we haven't had that same background or, or have that same current, you know, situation where we can pick up. We, we know we can pick up and call one another in these situations. Your, uh, everybody knows the story about Billy throwing something on top of the roof, right? <laughs> they were what, last what did your dad say in that situation? Uh, he said, you got to clean it up. That was it. It was just just a short and, and to the point. Um, was, it was him. It was, him. it was definitely him. Like, like as he's sipping coffee, as poop is raining down off of <laughs> off of the roof. Um, now you know what you get to do today. <laughs> and so short and to the point. Um, another one of the weeks in the Parent Guilt series, we we talked about um, life and balance and and balancing your schedule um, with your kids and and that guilt. That one. Um, I know it hits dads really hard, and I know it hits moms, but, but for, for me, it, it's been one that hits really hard, that spending a, enough time, um, how have you got it right? How have you got it wrong? Um, let us know. So this is the one that, that hit me the most, and I talked about the most the last time. Um, I have three kids now, and, and two of them are boys, and one is a girl. And in the beginning, when my kids were really young, um, I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week as a chef, and a lot of my time revolved around me. And as a father, you think, okay, I have to make money. I have to provide for my family. You know, that's your duty. And it started taking its toll, and I, and I actually realized it. And I, I, I stopped chefing. I changed my career because it was better for my family, not for me, so that I could spend more time with my children, spend more time with my wife, and, and be there for them. Um, it, it's a stigma that men are supposed to be the provider. But if you have a household where there's two of you, money's not always the most important thing. The most important thing is your family because without them, you have nothing. Um, and and, and it's, it's become an amazing thing now that I get to spend more time with my children. I make my own schedule. Um, it, it's wonderful. 
one thing I'll tell the rest of you fathers is that, that you, you need to take that time to think about what you're doing with yourself. Is it always just bettering yourself or are you bettering your family as a whole? Um, because that's a big part, you know, and, and that you need to look at that. And, and I have, and it's great. So take, take advice for someone that's done it. It's a good thing to do. Yeah, there's a, in Luke 14, 28, it says, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Like, like you said, you know, this is what I need to focus on. This is, who am I building? Who am I building? These kids, I'm building this family is what I'm building. Is that the most important or is, is my career the most important? And so there's, there's a certain amount of money that's needed to survive and thrive. And then, then there becomes this over and abundance that you're like, well, what am I building here? What's the most important? And so have you guys... Well, yeah, I shared it with the first service that, um, you know, being a pastor and in ministry and uh, having girls and grandkids and a full-time job, man, it's just hard to balance all of that. And I'll be the first to tell you, I am like way out of balance most of my life trying to figure out how to get it back in. But one of the things that I've determined, especially with my girls, is how do I, if I can't find the quantity of time that I would like, how do I translate that into a good quality when I do get the time to spend with them? And I've got my oldest daughter here, Heather, and my second youngest, Haley, and I know that those two specifically, uh, they want, and still today, they want uh, dad's time, but they don't want just to be in dad's house. They don't want dad just to take them to dinner or lunch or something like that. They want me to be there to be present and to talk about things that um, are important and that mean something. And those are the, for me, those are the best possible uh, times I can get. I mean, I got grandkids that want to spend all day with me, you know? Like, Dad, uh, Papa, let's, let's go play. Don't go to work. Stay home all day and let's play. <laughs> and can't do that, uh, but when I'm there, I have to uh, learn how to be only there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, the phones get in the way, don't they? They get in the way with a lot of the kids. Um, when, when my kids were younger, it, unfortunately for me, there's a pyramid in your life. Right now, if you're in this church, God should be at the top of that pyramid. But he wasn't on the top of that pyramid for me. I was on the top of that pyramid. And, and many young men go through this. They worry about themselves. I was totally focused on me. And the kids came second, Susie came second, maybe God was fourth or fifth down the list even then, when I was a young man in my 20s still, and I did not see the reasoning for that. It was all about me. What could I do? What could I? Yes, I did drag the kids everywhere I went. They were with me, but they weren't truly getting the good fathering that they needed. They were getting me show, you know, showing off and doing whatever it was that was important to me. So now as I've gotten older, and as they got older and things changed, life changed, God put a big stopping point in my life with the, uh, my spinal cord injury and changing my life and taking the focus off of me, even though it took years to do that, I could see the change in the focus on the kids more. The kids became more of a life. We, we traveled ball. We, we went to basketball. There was whatever it was they were enjoying, music. We tried to get involved with that and become more online with what Jesus wanted, despite the fact that I was still fighting and trying to get away from Jesus. Finally, that point came where, you know, I decided I was 
going to find Jesus, and, and I did, and they're grown by that point, and you think you may have lost something. You, you have that guilt of not being there because you were working or you were playing ball or you were doing whatever it was, and you didn't give them enough, yet they still turned out great. They're good kids. They both love the church. They're in it. They're involved, and so God will find a way one way or the other, even for those of us who are stubborn right, and don't want to do that at the time. When you get older, the perspective totally changes, and you see what you missed, and you, you do feel guilty about it, and it could have been so much better. Sorry. So don't do that, guys. <laughs> um, I also am a chef and started really digging my heels into things and almost creating my own excuse to why I was working so much, too, um, saying it was for the future of my kids because... My three-year-old's definitely going to run a food truck here, you know, in a couple of weeks or whatever. But <laughs> I would pour so much time in. And, and as I started to do this, amazingly, it's about the time I met Jared. And he started telling me about what he was doing. And he was backing out of the business um, and for his reasons. And it was like a little knot just kind of started clicking in my head. Like, he, he, he's still happy not, not doing it. And not only when you do things like that... Um, when I got home, even after the long shifts, and I finally was home, it was almost like I was still not content with things. Um, I wasn't just like, okay, let's sit down and watch a movie with the kids. All right, five minutes into the movie, I sat down and watched a movie with the kids. I can go up and start doing some more work or start thinking about something. And um, a big thing that hit me it was uh, Timothy 6.6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So I realized how I wasn't content at home, but yet... When people ask me how I was doing or how things are going, my first immediate thought is, my kids are healthy right now. Everything's great. I mean, I can't complain about that right now. Um, but am I there enough? That was the thing. Am I actually, I might physically be there, but mentally, am I constantly thinking about what to do the next day, what needs to be prepped, instead of just going, hey, you're being cute and funny. Um, and I've been having, had a lot of guilt with that and been fighting that and a whole career change almost is is needed and you know what though you can it, it's it's still fun you still find just as much happiness as you think you were just in your own little bubble is what it essentially when you step out of it finally you realize it that's the model i mean god could have taken care of everything from heaven i mean that's what we see like, through the old testament i mean he takes care of his people he could have he could have continued that but he said, I'm going to demonstrate my love by sending my one and only son to actually spend time with creation, to model my love, to put my love on display, to show you how much I love you. My own son will be there and spend time. We, we, we spent a whole week on presents, not the, the presents that we try to buy them off with when we spent so much time away from them, but the actual presence of being present, being on the floor rolling around with those toddlers, being back in the backyard playing catch, riding those bikes on leg day and when your legs are screaming, like, like being willing to say, it's, it's not my will. I mean, that's what Jesus said over and over. It's not my will. It's your will be done. That, when we sacrifice who we are for our family, for our kids, it's saying, it's not about me. It's not about my food truck. It's not about my 401k. It's not about my career. I'm going to sacrifice everything I am to provide what you actually need. And most of the time it is that presence. 
Um, and I mean, that gets into like a whole week where we talk about grace-based parenting and modeling our lives after Jesus, modeling our parenting after Jesus. Um, how have you guys been able to do that? I know you've gotten, like you said, I came to faith late. And, and so there, there wasn't that great of a model, but as I've, as I've figured it out, I've been able to like step in and be that for my grandkids. Um, but any of you guys want to tackle that question of how have you been able to model kind of Jesus? The important thing is, is a lot of us as men, I, I had church when I was a little kid, and, and but then I, as an, an, a late teen, early adult, you step away from your faith sometimes. Uh, I did myself, I know, but I, I came back to God and, and was saved. And But it's important to be the father figure in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Jesus way by, by making sure you sit down and read the Bible with your children. You know, we have free Bibles here. We have free Bibles for children. We have free Bibles for adults. But sit down and read with them. You know, let them hear the Lord's word. Be the person to inspire them to want to read the Lord's word. You know, certain stories share things that maybe they have a life experience, and, and you can go to the Bible and find a verse that that has that same experience. And you know, what what would Jesus do in that experience? You know. And, and show them that it's, it's okay to, to make mistakes and it's okay to, to be faulted but because, you know, we learn from those. So as a, as a dad, take that time. Take that time to sit down and read the Bible with your children. It's very important. My dad did it with me when I was a kid and I, and I didn't realize it, you know, until I became an adult, how important that was on, on my decision-making sometimes in life. You, you're, you're, oh, I'm going to do something crazy. And then you think about it, it's like probably shouldn't do that but because you know my dad you know spent the time reading the bible to me and taking the time to share those lessons with me uh, i i learned from that and try to share that with my children i think that um <clears throat> modeling that is very difficult and we probably take a lot more hits than we should because we're not perfect right dads right but um one illustration that i wanted to share with you guys that i shared in the first service was with my oldest daughter heather um she was a teenager and really struggling with some things in life. And as a father, you know, uh, when our kids do something wrong, it's just, you know, if we're not really plugged into where, who they are and, and, and what they're doing, we can just easily see the, uh, the problems that they're creating or the problems that uh, they, they have and just start dealing with the problem. Um, and with Heather, I think... And, and, and really with Haley, with both of those two, they were just so congenial, but, and they had to be dealt with a certain way. And I think that uh, the way Jesus would have dealt with them is with grace. And so I remember a situation with Heather where she was uh, just going through some stuff and uh, doing some things that she knew she shouldn't be doing and trying to uh, fill up things in her life apart from the Lord. And I think the Lord was pursuing her. And I remember sitting down with her in a... Uh, her bedroom and she was crying and I was just trying to console her and I was just remember I was just there for her just showing her the grace like what would Jesus do like the woman that was chased in from committing adultery and they were all ready to throw the law at her and Jesus just sat there and he just dealt with her in a way that changed her life and I think I had a good part in hoping that she would see Jesus in that and modeling Jesus for that and it wasn't too long after that, after some more circumstances, that she finally gave her life to Jesus. 
And um, I just think that modeling that is not always trying to be the perfect parent or, or, or make sure you do all the things right and, and get everything in a row and put everything on the right shelf. It's really uh, going through even the messy stuff and even not knowing what to do or what to say, but still allowing that grace that God gives us when we blow it, right, uh, to be demonstrated so they can absorb that and grow in that too. So, Yeah, I like what you said about uh, modeling Jesus. We can't do that. We try to do the things that, that Jesus would do, but we're not perfect, and we're going to make so many mistakes. Can we learn from our own mistakes? Can we pass that on to the kids? Can we pass it on to our grandkids? And uh, I feel like as you get older, you start to pay attention to those things more, probably because I didn't pay attention to it when I was a young man. So it, if you are a young guy sitting out here right now, this is your opportunity to not miss out on that, uh, to listen to us, to, tell, to, to listen to us tell you how you can walk with Jesus, show your kids Jesus, and make sure that they know who Jesus is, and they won't miss out on so many things that they could if you don't do that. Um, I go back to my biological father, who I now know, but I was mad at him for years because he wasn't around. And I missed out so much on him because I was mad at him. Uh, why was I mad at him? Well, I was mad at him because he wasn't there. Well, I shouldn't have been mad at him. I lost a lot of things like that, and I haven't, now I've reattached with him. I know I talk with him occasionally, but I, I, I just, if I had had a different mindset at that point, he could have been more in my life. Even though he chose not to when I was a young person and a young man, I could have chose differently. And now that I've gotten that a little bit more of that wisdom that's come into my life, more of what Jesus would do, more of the love that I have for my dad that wasn't there, that I felt like wasn't there. And, uh, yeah, trying to follow him sometimes does have... Um, it tests you from your children, too. Um, the more we talk about Jesus, you know, and the more that um, my little girl Zoe is picking up, the more I realize that when you mess up a little bit, she's going to be there, too, going, hey, that's not what Jesus would do right there. <laughs> and they, they almost kind of not really use it against you, but uh, call you out just as quickly as, hey, now, you know, love everyone, don't worry about anything, you know, pray, pray about it. <laughs> Um, and, and things will be fine and all that. And then you go, why'd you do that? Why'd you put all the Legos next to the kid that can eat them? And, and well, you know, don't worry. Just pray about it, Dad. It'll be fine, you know. And, <laughs> all right, all right. And, and, and walking his, his path as you try to do it, it just, it, it also has conflicts that you realize that um, Jesus probably met as he was going on his paths um, from people that they're trying, that he was trying to teach and all of that. And um, I find it, fascinating how quickly you can teach someone a verse and how quickly they can flip around and let you know which part you might have missed up to and you need to do a little better and, and you know what they're, they're right they usually can do better and it makes you feel a little guilty but you try to grow with them um, to understand it one of the things that Jesus always did and even God always did we, we took a week and we talked about how Elijah was afraid for his life the queen queen Jezebel was after him and and ready to kill him and and he got scared and, and, and fled and felt like he was the only Christian and, and was running away from his assignment that God had for him. And, and we saw God meet his need right where he was. 
We've seen it with the woman at the well. We see it with the woman caught in the act of adultery that, that he doesn't address their sin. He doesn't address what's going on. He addresses their need. So many times I've been guilty, even with kids with type 1 diabetes, of, of addressing the symptoms, of, of addressing the high activity, the, the, the results of Mountain Dew or the results of too much Kool-Aid or, or, or sugar or Red Dye 40 or whatever, um, whatever you subscribe to. But whatever, whatever they got into, I'll subscribe whether they haven't had enough sleep or like I don't admit, go to that. I'm like, they're manipulating the situation. They're, they're crazy. They're acting out. And my wife is always the one that like, oh, well, maybe their blood sugar is too high or too low, or they're too whiny because of this or because they didn't get a nap or this. And I'm just like, let's go. We got to deal with this. But, but meeting their physical need, meeting their emotional need. We talked a little bit about how, how when, when, we get angry when all of us get angry. Usually there's, there's the underlying symptom of fear or fear that we've lost control, fear, fear that we don't have it all together, fear that somebody's going to find out about something. And, and, and this fear comes out in, in, in anger. Like meeting our kids' physical needs, their, their emotional needs, or even their spiritual needs. Like how have you won in this area or, or battled this area or um, how have you gotten better in this area? Uh, if you have more than one child, you will learn that they're all different. <laughs> they all learn differently. They all act differently. They all have different needs and different wants in life. And it, it took me quite some time. I have two boys and a girl, and, and I've learned that most girls, yeah, even though mine's very little, but even even seeing the girls around here, when, when dad barks, they kind of are, you know, scared. And, and you don't have to do too much for a girl. Boys will test you. Boys push your buttons. I have one one boy that's older and one boy that's younger, and it's to see the differences, the, the one, he is quiet, and he likes to clean up his own mess, and he likes to, to be nice and tidy. And, and when I, whenever he's in trouble, he knows he's in trouble, and so I don't really have to discipline him much. The oldest one will push my buttons till the end of time. And so you, you have to make sure that you seek out the individual needs and, and wants of them because if you try to parent them all one way, you're, you're not finding what's actually the root, root cause or what, what they really need in life. And, and yelling at them sometimes isn't the best thing. Sometimes just sitting down and giving them your ear, giving them the time so that they can express what is bothering them or what they do need is, is the most important part. If you just sit back and, and constantly are, you know, telling them what to do and instead of giving them a choice, you know, to make that choice, it, it can, 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 can backlash on you. So, so always take the time to make sure that you learn each kid and learn, you know, spend time with them individually. Take, take them out you know, on their own, instead of going out all together as one, take them out one at a time so they can get that physical and that emotional thing with, with you and so that you can understand them better as well as a parent. So when something happens, you're able to go, okay, you're upset, and, and you, can, you can notice that. Um. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> that's a, man, that's a big question. Um, 
because I think that sometimes as parents, especially as fathers, especially me, you, know, you just want to get everything right. And um, no matter how much you do right, that doesn't mean it's all going to turn out right. Or no matter how bad of a parent you think you are or you were, um, doesn't mean they aren't going to come out smelling like roses and doing great either. Uh, so you're not guaranteed either way, regardless of what happens. Uh, but the em emotional, physical, and spiritual needs, I think, um, you know, I had a daughter, my youngest daughter. Uh, she died a little over a year ago of a drug overdose. And, um, you know, you, you think as a father, what could I have done differently? What could I have, uh, how could I have met the needs that she had to have uh, differently? And so you go through those gyrations of, um, sort of regrets and things that uh, you think about. But what's, what's good is God takes that quickly and nullifies that because he, he, he says to you, you know, uh, and, and I remember this specifically, uh, we did what we could. We did what we knew. Does that make sense to some of you? You, do, you, don't, you don't have the manual exactly, you know, very little parenting in this thing actually in the Bible. I mean, you've got to kind of figure a lot of this stuff out, and a lot of it has to do with faith and trust in your Heavenly Father for things like that. But it doesn't take away the sting when something happens in a very negative way. Um, man, how the weight of that comes on a father feeling like you should have done something better or different to keep that from happening. And I think the guilt from that, uh, the enemy can use and really do a, a number on you as a father and making you feel less than or uh, worthless, actually. But I think that what, and this is what happened for me, is that realizing that, you know what, uh, no one's uh, ever prepared for something like that, for tragedy in the home. No one's ever prepared for that. And then when it happens, um, the grace, that's where God steps in, and you can embrace that grace, or I think what Billy said, what happened to him, you can kind of get mad and blame and withdraw and do a lot of crazy things. Uh, but what was really good was uh, our family came together at a time like that because there was an emotional uh, hole that was developed when my daughters lost their sister and we, uh, mom and I lost our youngest daughter and we all came together, and as difficult as it was, we were just like, how are we ever going to get through this? How is this ever going to be okay? And, um, and I don't think it is okay yet, but it's getting better. And by coming together, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, just moved back from California uh, because she f realizes the need uh, and the importance of how family needs to be together, especially in a time like this. So I would say, how do we meet those needs as a father? Um, rely on the one father that can uh, meet those needs because oftentimes we cannot. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go along with that, too. When, when I was younger, I didn't lean on Jesus at all. But when something catastrophic happens to your family like that, like the same thing happened to our family, not the exact same scenario. Craig got himself in trouble and things were very dramatic and we had to come back. I remember if I had been 25, I would have been yelling at him and screaming at him and saying, what were you thinking, all this other stuff. That's not what came to my mind. My, what came to my mind was, Jesus, what do we do now? Where do we go? How do we get this done? How do we lean on this to take care of this situation? 
And it never once dawned on me to, to, to blame somebody or to, to, to go through what had happened. I did feel some guilt, like maybe I'd made some mistakes, right? And that, and that led to it. But Jesus said to me, go there and be helpful. Be the person you need to be. Be the person I want you to be, which is not the person who harps on everything because there's a mistake. Everybody already knows there's a catastrophic mistake that happened. Why do you harp on it? You don't need to. You do that when your kids are young. When they get older, I think it just stopped. I think I just said, and Jesus told me that is what we're supposed to do. And it became very easy to come back and help, to help everybody we could with the situation. And that wouldn't have been the same if we were younger. I don't think so. If I hadn't known Jesus at that time, it would have been totally different. So leaning on him in these bad, catastrophic times when things happen to your family, we both got through it because of our love for Jesus. And so did the rest of our family. Uh, yeah, mine was um, definitely emotional battling is tough. Um, I feel like my little girl's definitely having very adult emotions, like, um, you know, happy and sad, feeling guilty about one thing, but really enjoying some other things. And um, watching her battle, I just, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a foundation because, boy, if I could, I sometimes feel like if I could have punched emotion in a face, I would. <laughs> but you can't, but you even try to flex at it even a little bit. Um, when, my, when, when they start getting really emotional and, and it, it, I, I fault at this part and when I walk away trying to figure out like, okay, I don't really know how to handle this situation either. I need to start praying and asking, but I need to show my daughter that that's what I'm doing too, that that's, that's my go-to thing instead of flexing at it and getting all mad at something that has no control and creating possibly a worse emotion in her. And it, it's definitely um, a struggle as they continue on um, and trying to meet it to where you're still um, with them and showing care and all that, but also helping them understand that you, you just have to pray on things um, with those things. Now, last week we, we wrapped up the series and we're getting ready to wrap up today. Um, but we, we finished off everything uh, with Hebrews chapter 12 where we looked at God loves those he disciplines. Now, now that brought up a ton of like mixed emotions and everything and just the word discipline, like everybody has different experiences with it. And for, for the most part, like growing up, like even within the church, it was spare the rod, spoil the child. And, and, and that's how the Southern Baptists love that one. Um, but then if you actually read that and even go through like translations that help you understand it a little bit better, um, Proverbs thirteen twelve: those who spare the rod of discipline their children, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Last week, we looked at Jesus's discipline as his disciples, who said, follow me and I will make you, that it, it wasn't a way to punish, it was a way to teach. I'm going to disciple you through this. We really challenged parents that our, our method of discipline, is it, is it their to teach, or is it there to straighten them out, <laughs> or get them going right? Like, like you said, your grandpa. <laughs> this is great. You got to hear what his grandpa said. <laughs> so my grandpa always used to say, "Stupid should hurt." <laughs> so if you do something stupid, 
it should hurt, <laughs> whether that be something that needs to be disciplined or you, you fall off out of a tree, it hurts, but, you know, if you do something stupid, it should hurt. And, and, and nowadays, a lot of kids, <clears throat> you know, it's not more of a physical thing, you know, whereas when we were younger, I used to get my butt whooped. I did something bad, oh boy, you got your butt whooped. And, and now, you know, we were speaking about this earlier, uh, the tablets, the time, taking that child's time, something they find valuable, taking that away from them sometimes is more, you know, better for them and for you because you, you, you're not having to discipline them in that way, but you're, you're showing them that it's, it's wrong to do something by taking away something that's valuable to them. And, and I've learned that with, with my oldest boy, you know, I, I could spank his butt, but he's just going to laugh at me because he's, he's done and ha-ha, I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but if I take his tablet away for the whole day or the whole week or, or I tell him to go play outside, he can't be inside on, on the inside of the house, he, he straightens up right now because he understands that there's something getting taken away from him. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to lead by example, you know, say I do something wrong and my wife yells at me, I have, you have to own up to it as, as a dad or own up to it as a man to say, okay, I was wrong, I'm sorry I was wrong, so that they understand as kids that it's okay to do something wrong, but if you do do something wrong, that you, you need to try to fix that problem. Yeah, and I think by the uh, virtue of the worship team coming up here, that's like the hook for us, but... Um, uh, I just wanted to say this, uh, my second youngest, Haley, um, uh, when she was born, I was out of work, so I got to stay home for like six months with her and just kind of uh, bond with her. And one of the things that um, I realized early on as she grew up is that she was one of those ones that uh, discipline had to be really different because I know that the God's word says discipline uh, is love. God disciplines us because he loves us, and, and so we should make sure we discipline our children. But But with her, it's like, you couldn't spank her. You, 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 you couldn't even raise your voice at her with her not just falling apart. And so, so how do we discipline that, right? And, and, and it was so different. Each kid, like her younger sister, like, like just like what he said, yeah, like nothing. Like spank, you know, laugh at a spank and, and, and no matter what. But what I wanted to say was it's, each child is so different, right? And we should figure out how, what works best, to how do we get them to curb some kind of behavior and that kind of thing, but always to look past the fault to see the need and why you're doing what you're doing and why you discipline them. So anyway. You know, I looked at discipline in two different ways. Um, I joked about putting Craig in timeout and him falling asleep in timeout, not because I left him there too long, but because he was so tired from doing whatever he was doing, he'd fall asleep in three minutes. Well, we also got to look at the discipline of yourself, you and your spouse. Um, I think maybe the, many of the things that happened to the kids as they were growing up didn't affect them, but I'll guarantee you fighting between you and your wife or your wife and your husband, whoever it is, affects your kids more than just about anything. I can guarantee you that. And if you put them through that, you don't have the discipline to stop yourself and to take it aside somewhere where they, can, they don't have to see that, I, that may draw down on them harder than anything else, I think. And we made it a mainstay to try to not to do that. We did go through some hard times just like everybody else. Um, but if you can discipline yourself to not do that in front of your children, you will help them emotionally for the rest of their lives. 
that they did not see that their parents were fighting amongst each other. I'll be real quick. I would just throw in um, sometimes to discipline, you have to really discipline with grace, too, um, because there are things that, depending on the type of family, if you have other family members, fathers and mothers that are involved, you can't always control what's happening at that other house or what they're taking in. So sometimes when you don't know what's going on and they come back, you still have to remember that there is something else that could have gone on that's creating this need for the discipline. And you almost have to do it gracefully because they might be getting disciplined for something that they were told at the other place was perfectly fine or is okay. And then you're over there disciplining them and they're kind of looking at you like you're just being mean. So uh, trying to keep that and understanding it um, is definitely a struggle that I keep having and battling when it comes to discipline. Can we give these guys a round of applause? <laughs> no, it's not easy to, to put yourself um, just out there and on display. Um, but the reason we did this is to hear from one another's stories, to... to be that iron that sharpens iron, to know that, hey, we're not alone in this battle. We're not alone with all the girls in our house or all the, just the boys in our house, that, that we are the body of Christ, that we're here to support one another, and we can support one another through the stories. I don't know if you caught, while, while, while Jordan was struggling with career and choices and life balance, he was able to meet a guy at church, probably preparing one of the meals back in the kitchen, and hear about how he was stepping out of being a chef because that didn't place his family as the number one priority. It placed him as the number one priority. So he was able to learn from that, learn from one another, strengthen one another, which that's who we are as a church. That's what I mean, I wouldn't be standing here if my leg wasn't here. Like, this, this wouldn't be happening right now. And, and, and some of you may not be able to be in this place or standing in this place if it wasn't for the help of one another going through times of crisis, going through times, or, or, or just, like, teaching the kids. Like, there's, there's some amazing teachers back there that are, that are just giving of themselves, reading off of a curriculum so that... When your child has a meltdown, that they know that they, just like you learn in here, can run to the Heavenly Father. They're putting it in their language that they can understand. And so they're there being that tibia or fibula or all the other things that I forget about health class, right? All the other bones that, that, are, that are in there that, that, that are helping us get through our days, that's We've got to begin to see the body of Christ as that, that we serve, that we help, that we come together and we're a strength for our city and we're a light and we're that beacon, we're that city that's on a hill that says there is a place where we can run and we can focus our eyes on our Heavenly Father. I want to thank all you dads for showing up. There's a lot of dads that that isn't what's number one on their list of going to church on Father's Day. It's like, guys, Father's Day, I get to do what I want. I'm going to be in bed. I'm going to grab a remote. I'm going to be on the golf course. I'm going to do that. Some of them just came to the early service, and, and they're out there right now, and that's okay. But they said, you know what? It's a priority that I look to Jesus first and foremost, and I lead my family first to Christ. And so I want to thank you for doing that today. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being with us as we're not, none of us were perfect up here. 
We all are messed up dads. But we said, first and foremost, we're going to look to our Heavenly Father to lead us and guide us. That's what this last...